It's good to see you. I'm thrilled to be here, and uh, thank you, uh, Dave and Sean, for asking me to have this privilege and do this. Uh, and my job is easy. I just ha I have to do the intro of what we're talking about. Everyone else has to do the heavy lifting with their longer talks. This will be brief. I just want to look at the problem of relating and then just launch from there and figure out how does grace in the gospel fit with everyday life of people that hate us and people who we hate or dislike or have difficulty relating with. If you come to my office and sit in my office at some point, you'll look over my shoulder and look on the mantle. And on the mantle, you'll see a bumper sticker that says, it's the Jean-Paul Sartre quote, hell is other people. Classic quote. You've seen it on bumper stickers. You've seen it on T-shirts. You've heard it before. I used to rotate my bumper stickers. I, I, I like being the funny guy. And so I had, like, some funny, funny bumper stickers. My other favorite one was Shirley Mc... I strangled Shirley MacLaine in a previous life. So, but what happened one time was a, a young man was sitting in my office, and he looked at the bumper sticker, and he stopped. His face got red, and I said, looked over my shoulder, and I said, what are you thinking? And he said, man, isn't that the truth? And then he started talking about his ex-girlfriend, his parents, his roommate. And then he stopped and paused and said, wow, I wonder how many people would think of me when they saw that bumper sticker. As a minister, you like that kind of honesty in your office. About 75% of the people that come in my office now look at that bumper sticker and say something about it. I've left it up there. It's become the most helpful tool ever when people come into an office to start talking about whatever it, it prompts things. And so 75% about come in and look at it and will say something. And there's this sense of relief that you can see when they finally get to start talking about how does hell is other people work out for them in their life. And that's exactly what we're here to talk about. How does the implication of the gospel fit with the reality of the brokenness of relationships? You see, we need grace in our relationships, and the evidence is all over the place. Let me just do something very simple and just see what happens when you hear these um, people. Dad. Mom. Husband, wife, ex-wife, ex-husband, your sister, your brother, your fiancé, your friend, your in-laws, your boyfriend, girlfriend, grandparent, the uncle, the creepy uncle, <laughs> your cousin, Roommate, boss, co-worker, daughter, son. And you can just feel it happening. What did they do to you? What did you do to them? And my father-in-law, I'm, I'm having to write this with great dislike for my father-in-law, who uh, happened to abandon his family. And so that's what he did to us, and he continues to do it. And so I retaliate with calling him a self-centered moral coward by email. That's, that's what broken relationships looks like. They, people humiliate, we humiliate, we judge, we abandon, we abuse, we shame and blame, ignore and criticize, gossip and lie. 
That's why we need grace in our relationships. And this conference is important because everyone has experienced the opposite of exactly what we need. We've experienced the opposite of grace, which is disgrace. Disgrace is the 40, 48 laws of power, this horribly scary how-to guide, a book on the 48 laws of power, on how to acquire power over other people. Let me read to you some of them and think of how this fits with disgrace. Law two, law two never put too much trust in friends and learn how to use your enemies. Law five, so much depends on your reputation, so guard yours with your life. Law 10, avoid the unhappy and unlucky. Law 33, discover each person's thumbscrews. Law 34, I'm reading everyone's techniques all of a sudden, it's not comfortable. Law 34, be royal in your own fashion. Act like a king to be treated like one. See, disgrace destroys. It causes pain and it deforms and it wounds. Disgrace alienates and it shuns. It makes you feel worthless, rejected, unwanted, and repulsive. Now, counter disgrace with grace. And many of us have this very helpful definition, thanks to uh, Paul's all. Grace is one-way unconditional love. It seeks you out even if you have nothing to offer. Grace is being loved when you feel and are unlovely. Grace is Lars and the real girl. If you haven't seen the movie, go see it. I won't even explain it. Don't ruin it for you. Grace listens and it lifts up. It cures and it transforms and it heals. Grace is Kierkegaard's king who loved the humble maiden in the philosophical fragments. A great king who knew he couldn't just go pluck the maiden out of her home because she wouldn't understand that. And also knew that if he arrived in all of his splendor that she wouldn't pay attention, that she would cower. So he shows up and puts on a servant's garb and, and commits his, himself to her and commits his love and woos her. And only once she's finally won, and once the love is there, he finally unveils who she is, who he is. And Kierkegaard ends that description with this. For love is exultant when it unifies equals, but it is triumphant when it makes that which is unequal equal in love. That's grace. For love is exultant when it unites equals, but it is triumphant when it makes that which is unequal equal in love. What that is, is another phrase. You have hell as other people from Jean-Paul Sartre. And then Emmanuel Levinas said, others are an occasion for joy. That's grace. These two radical realities, these opposite realities of joy in hell, grace and disgrace. And so to your disgrace... God gives grace. He restores. He repairs. He, re he recreates. Grace heals. And the contrast between the two is staggering. And so you're looking, that would be great. We all know that hell is other people, and we all know that it would be wonderful if the other was an occasion for joy. There's a huge gulf, and how do you jump over that gulf and get to that? You can't. <laughs> but... There is one who can. 
And the way you get this grace is found exactly in our passage. There's only one shot for healing in personal relationships. And that it's if that relationship and those relationships are under the shadow of God's grace for us. Because we get in the gospel the very thing our personal relationships need. Reconciliation. That's what we get in the gospel. That's how grace works out in personal relationships. In verse 18 in our passage, God did two things for Paul. He reconciled Paul to himself through Christ and gave him the the ministry of reconciliation. That's an amazing statement because it's the reconciled becomes a reconciler. And the verb there is actually passive. Just keep that in mind for later on. That's the key. Reconciliation from God is the only thing that could cause any type of reconciliation between others. And it simply means to bring back to friendship after estrangement, to harmonize. In Paul's writings, God is always the reconciler. Those in need of reconciliation are creatures who are hostile to their God and to their neighbor. That's, that's the garden right there. You know, we had it made, and so we turn our worship of God into it. We, we go after idols and Loving your neighbor as yourself is violence to one another. And so those who need reconciliation are the violent, hostile creatures to their God and to their neighbor. And the initiative is always God's in changing the relationship of enmity to one of friendship. And that's what's accomplished in that powerful word, reconciliation through Christ. And it's through his death on the cross. Reconciliation is spelled out later on in that passage. It says this, God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. That reconciliation occurs because God doesn't count our sins against us. That's verse 19. And that just simply means that God is not positing debts to our account that are actually rightfully ours. That message can bring peace. That message can heal. That message can transform and reconcile. And the reason trespasses aren't posted to our account is the end of the passage. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And that's what I'm here to say. That's what the purpose of this is, is that that reconciliation or grace is needed in personal relationships. And it's found only in the reconciliation of God with us in Christ. It's the only way, the only way that you can bridge the huge gulf between hell as other people and others as an occasion for joy. It's the work of God of reconciling us to himself. And that's what will be unpacked with Drs. Paulson and Martin and Dr. Zoll.